0: Sometimes the best way to be alive to things is to change them. After 28 weeks of ordinary time, we thought some changes to the liturgy during this Advent would make us more familiar with what we do here together on Sunday mornings. Our music director, Patty Esti, came to us a few months ago with an idea about the music. What if we use the contemplative, reflective nature of Advent to approach our music differently, which you heard at the beginning of this service? And each week in Advent, will feature instrumental works and musicians to ring a slightly different note to our worship music. And this idea, a different approach to Advent, took off from there. We incorporated the lighting of the Advent candle into our liturgy, added the singing bowls, more periods of silence, chanting the Psalms, Eucharistic prayer D. It's a way to start our new year, our Advent, our time of waiting, in God's time of coming, with a different lens. And our theme for this Advent is preparation. Each week in Advent, we'll have a theme that provides the inspiration for the music and the sermon, more or less. And there are four facets of preparation. Reflection, repentance, reconciliation, and finally, renewal. Four actions that will help us prepare for the first Advent, the baby Jesus and Christmas, So this week we begin with reflection, reflection on the long year just completed, reflection on our level of preparation for the second advent, for Christ's return. How does Jeremiah's promise of a day of justice and righteousness help you in your preparation? Or Paul's love letter to the Thessalonians, where he tells them, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. So there's nothing to do yet, just reflect do any connections start to happen? In this new year, year C, we begin a long gospel journey with Luke, the evangelist. Year B, which we just completed, featured Mark's gospel. The Bible scholar Raymond Brown characterized Mark's Jesus as someone who plunders the depths of abandonment only to be vindicated. And he compares it to Luke's Jesus, who he says worries about others and gently dispenses forgiveness. So keep those in mind as we journey through this third gospel. Now Luke's writing to a people who have witnessed the destruction of the temple and the forced dispersion of people of the Holy Land throughout the empire. Jerusalem is destroyed. Now a few weeks ago when we were reading Mark's telling of this same event called the Little Apocalypse, I likened it to the shock of 9-11 in our own stories. The same holds true for Luke's listeners. But Luke has a different strategy. He wants to revitalize the despairing people by connecting them to those older temple rituals, even if it's only in their minds, even if they're away from Jerusalem. Canticles of Isaiah, Zechariah, and Mary, which we'll hear in coming weeks, will remind us of this priestly rituals in the temple. Luke wants to reconnect his believers back to Jerusalem and the temple. Because importantly for Luke, Jesus' story is a continuation of Israel's history. And in fact, it's the fulfillment of Israel's hopes, which makes today's gospel reading seem a little out of place. Why do we start Advent with a terrorizing reading of the second Advent, the coming of Christ, following a reign of upheaval and natural disasters, Why aren't we talking about the innocent little baby Jesus in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes? Those are the images of the season, right? But those, they wouldn't prepare us, would they? Those images wouldn't inspire reflection. In a way, they pacify us, pretending everything is all right. The cultural expressions of Christmas are, more than any other season, drenched in nostalgia. Cultures everywhere seek to recreate a forgotten past, possibly in the hopes of erasing the difficult and anxious present. It's also usually a past that was never as comforting and treasured as it's remembered. So we want to go back to the baby Jesus lying in a manger. That was a comforting time, wasn't it? Well, the Gospels make it pretty clear that they weren't, but that doesn't fit into our cultural narrative. So we Charlie Brown the story, with Linus recapping the easy parts of Luke's telling of the birth story, a race to challenge, of difficulty. And, mind you, there will be time for that. It's called Christmas, and we're just under a month away. Time for celebration. But now we prepare. We reflect. Throughout Luke, we find the disciples, and through them, us, wanting to turn Jesus into their idea of a Messiah the one that's a political instigator, and whose return means the triumph of Israel over her foes, is a challenge we still struggle with. We want the warrior, superhero, magic hands, Jesus, who will make everything right. Oh, and destroy our enemies along the way, just for good measure. That's not the Jesus we get, I'm sorry to say. And that's not what Jesus wants us to be either. In the reading, he tells us, in response to all the destruction and tumult that is happening to, quote, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. In Luke's telling of the apocalypse, we aren't called into a world renouncing fatalism. You know, it's all going to be destroyed anyway, so why bother? Now, n- nor are we left to see the apocalypse as kind of an escapist withdrawal, the kind that gets all the left-behind folks so giddy. More than anything, Luke calls for what's been called a theology of hope. Jesus says, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. The theologian Jürgen Moltmann put it this way, Christian hope is presented no longer as an opium of the beyond, but rather as the divine power that makes us alive in the world. Makes us alive in the world. Stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. No less than the church father, Tertullian, tried to get us to find a reason for hope in the seeming awfulness of the world. He told us, the kingdom of God is beginning to be at hand. Already, heavenly things are taking the place of earthly. Great things are taking the place of the small. Eternal things are taking the place of things that fade away. He concludes, what room is there for anxiety, for worry? I ask you, which is healthier, trying to beat down our fears and anxieties by drenching ourselves in nostalgia for a Christmas that never was, of looking back to make the present bearable, or might it be better to open our eyes and look for the heavenly things replacing the earthly, the great things replacing the small ones, the eternal things happening right here and now, among all this messiness around us? When you think about it, what room is there for anxiety or for worry? Today's gospel ends with a reminder of how we spend this time of preparation in the face of the apocalypse, while we are standing with our heads held high. Just as Jesus isn't a warrior God, we aren't called to be at the ready soldiers preparing for battle. Instead, we are called to be alert and to be prayerful. In verse 36, he tells us, be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. In this time of preparation, in this first advent of reflection, we are to be alert, and more importantly, to pray for strength. We know it ain't going to be easy. We just need to remind ourselves of that. The sights, sounds, and smells of Christmas are already around us. They seem to have come out earlier than ever this year, didn't they? Folks are so hungry for a little relief, a little joy, to take their minds off the messiness of living in this anxious, angry age. But news flaps, they've always been anxious and angry. We just don't want to remember. My mother worked endlessly to create a perfect Christmas, only to be foiled by a burnt batch of rolls or a divinity where the salt replaced the sugar or an uneven Christmas tree. Now, when my family gets together these days, some 50 years later, we remember the disasters and we treasure them and we laugh about them. When you think about it, maybe they were examples of eternal things, replacing those things that fade away, living on in our memories and in our laughter. Joseph and a very pregnant Mary were forced to make a difficult trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and there's no room at the inn, so they stay in a manger. Talk about an ancient, anxious age. But we're not there yet. That's Christmas, remember? Let's be present. Be here. Be now. Starting today, the first week of Advent, the first day of our new church here, let's use this wonderful season to prepare ourselves, to go deeper, to reflect, maybe start a new spiritual practice like walking the labyrinth or reading an icon or lighting an Advent candle on the wreath with loved ones. Let's use this time of anticipation to look for the heavenly things replacing the earthly, the eternal things replacing those things that fade away. And most importantly, let's use this time to be alert and to pray for strength, to prepare ourselves for these things that will take place and to be able to stand before the Son of Man. Amen.